Hello and welcome to Roy's Rocket Radio episode 136, recorded on Wednesday the 25th of May 2016 and the time at the beginning of the show is just coming up to 5 minutes past 3 in the afternoon. And again, as usual, apologies for the delay. I'm so late with this episode because work has become a bit demanding. I've even managed to miss two episodes of Game of Thrones somehow. That's all due to the new writing schedule, which is taking over everything. Actually, there's something I wanted to share with you. There's another podcast that I listen to. I believe it's called The Law Podcast, L-O-R-E, and it's really great. It's all about folklore and stuff, but the point I wanted to make is that the guy who produces that show has a little pie chart on his website, and it shows the divide between the time he spends writing, because he's also a writer, and the time that he spends podcasting, because his podcast is about to become a TV show. And he spends 90% of his time podcasting and only 10% writing. Me, on the other hand, I spend about 95% of my time writing and 5% podcasting, which really brings us to the New Look Show. As I said in a recent blog post, the emphasis of this podcast has now shifted from enjoying and creating genre stuff to creating and enjoying genre stuff, which for me is mainly writing at the moment, but could encompass anything creative that I can do that will generate money. I think that's the important distinction. Although I still do other genre-related things for fun, money would be great. And to celebrate this change in the, not so much the direction of the show, but the emphasis or the split between creating and producing, I made a little show cover to celebrate the insanity. I did this quite a while ago to herald the inception, how many big words am I using, of a new show. I was going to do two shows a week, one to do with the creative stuff and the other to do with enjoying genre entertainment. But as I said at the top of the show, I just don't have time for two shows. So instead of two shows, there will be one show, but with much more time devoted to talking about actually doing things. So in most basic terms, I suppose you can say that the show will be divided into work and play. Next in the news, the personal news, and I'll keep this short, but there's a few exciting things going on for me. First of all, I'm starting a band. Yeah, and I don't care how rubbish we are, we are doing it. It's going to be a pop-punk rock band. We've already got a provisional playlist. So we're going to start with practicing covers 
like those classics like from the Ramones, Sheena is a Punk, I Love Rock and Roll, Joan Jett, Silver Machine by Hawkwind, Ballroom Blitz by The Misfits, and the Banana Splits theme by The Dickies. The others in the band are a bit more ambitious, but for me it's enough that I manage not to accidentally set fire to my own ukulele. And yeah, still ukulele, not even upgrading to fancy banjolele. Let me master one instrument first. Also, part of my chickening out of playing any other instrument is a few days ago, I had a go on one of the other band members' bass guitar. And it was fun until the next day when I lost all feeling in my finger. So I'm wimping out of big heavy strings for the time being. And by the way, before anyone tweets me, it is a real band, not just the video game rock band like the guys in the Big Bang Theory. If the other members of the band are listening, let's do this thing! Yeah, I can't believe I just said that, and I did fist pump when I did it. I'm terribly sorry. Also, exciting for me, I'm playing D&D for the first time, hopefully... I don't want to say anything too much in case something goes horribly wrong and we don't play the first game. I'll be hosting, but someone else will be DMing, which is great because I'd rather just play than control everything. It's nice not to have to organise everything. And this is all happening tomorrow, so lots of things are happening. Very exciting. Ow! I just... I've just whacked the side of my head into the microphone. How's that for suave? Okay. Also in the news, but hardly worth mentioning, but I think I will anyway, is that I'm getting some new t-shirts, mainly because my old gear is falling apart. Particularly this Rage Against the Machine t-shirt that I'm always wearing, and you can see on the website. I only took the picture a year or so ago, but... That t-shirt is really falling to bits, and I need some new t-shirts. Hallows. Yeah, I've changed my shouts to hallows, and haven't got anyone specific to say hello to, apart from everyone who wants to be in the band, and the D&D group, who hopefully will be meeting tomorrow, including myself. Of course I'll be meeting my own D&D group, because I'll be hosting. Doesn't make sense. What am I talking about? Okay. Now, here's where the podcast changes a bit. As I said earlier, we'll be focusing more on my own work, and at the moment, that means talking about the book that... I have been writing for a while. It's the final draft of the book called The Horus Box. It's an action-adventure mystery thriller, a kind of adult's goonies set in London. But if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk endlessly about this, so I won't describe it too much here. 
The last you heard, I had finished chapter 39 at around 76,332 words and I was halfway through the last chapter. Well, now you'll be pleased to know that I have finished at around 80,000 words. I'm very relieved that I have finished. Actually, I finished on Friday, did a bit more checking on Saturday and called it a day on Sunday. Since then, I have been proofreading and doing minor edits. It's taking me a while, but not too long. I'm doing about a chapter a day. And you know what? Let me tell you what I've learned so far after having written this, the final draft. After the first draft, which was a while back, I was pretty worried. It was difficult sorting out the chaff. I would run out of stuff to write about. And all these things that I was worrying about were completely wrong. In fact, running out of stuff to write about isn't the problem. The problem is trying to whittle it down because I have found that there is no end of stuff you can write about. In the first draft, I had way too much extra side plots, which were frankly annoying. I'm also, or I have also tried to avoid the kitchen sink approach of writing now, which means just writing lots of irrelevant tangential bits. Sometimes you can just defy that to yourself by saying it's just colour, which it can be if it's small parts, but if it tends to be thousands and thousands of words, then something's going wrong. So I'm not doing that anymore. And I say side plot rather than subplot because each extra side plot could have been a book in itself. But perhaps that's a problem unique to me rather than you, because I suffer from exactly the opposite problem of writer's block. As they said in 2001, if you remember the film, it's full of stars. Well, that's what it's like for me in my head. The other thing that I've found out is that it takes longer than you think to write prose that isn't junk and does not stink. So no more NaNoWriMo for me. It's hardly as if I need to buckle down and write anyway. I do that every day. What else did I learn? Okay. What I found is and maybe this is just the way that my mind works, is although I start with an outline, I find that my writing is kind of like a branching multiverse, which means at many forks in the plot when one of two things can happen. For me, one of about a million things can happen. So that's back to that anti-writer's block thing again. 
So that doesn't really help you if you're a person who suffers from writer's block. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, I've heard other writers say that they take a break when that happens and watch TV, go for a walk, that kind of thing. It's strange. Now that I've been writing for a while, I find that a lot of the advice that other writers give, even though there are writers who I admire, like Stephen King, for instance, just doesn't apply to me. One of the things I read that Stephen King does is he tries to write in a very blank, bland environment. He writes facing a wall because he can't deal with the distractions. Well, guess what? I need completely the opposite. I need lots of stuff going on around me to the point where the outside world becomes like a waterfall of white noise, which is why I like writing in a public place. The other reason I like doing that is it provides incentive, because if you're sitting there with a laptop doing nothing, you look a bit silly. <laughs> so you're almost forced to write. Not that I really need to be forced, but that's just something to bear in mind. Okay, what else did I learn? Ah, yes, I have talked about this before. Now, get ready for a mini pep talk. And here we go. Don't get encouraged by the miserable gits out there who will tell you that you need God's given talent to be a writer. Talent only takes you so far. The rest is persistence and hard work. You will improve. I guarantee it. Because I'm not the same writer I was a year ago or even yesterday. The evidence is tangible. It's right there every time I open something I'm working on in Word. I can see the difference between yesterday. I can see the difference between the first chapter and where I am now. And invariably, I'm a better writer. So you will improve. All you have to do is write and you will get better. Honestly, this just doesn't apply to writing either, but anything you want to be good at. Music, swimming, tiddlywinks, parachuting. Yeah, you don't really want to go wrong with parachuting. Okay. Uh, scroll down a bit. So what am I doing now? Well, I've said that I'm proofreading, correcting the spelling and grammar. I'm determined not to do re-editing now. So the book is as good as I want it to be. Yeah, I could tweak things and tweak things forever and it will never be finished. So the most I'm doing is proofreading, correcting spelling, dealing with grammar, making sure the paragraphs are in the right place. And make sure I put in scene cuts, things like that. After that, I'll be engaging the gatekeepers, doing battle with the gatekeepers. That is, I'll be submitting like a madman. I will only approach those willing to accept simultaneous submissions, 
Why? Because I don't want to sit around for years like some damn peasant at the palace gates waiting for the literary equivalent of Marie Antoinette to toss me a stale piece of lemon drizzle cake. I don't think it's fair of publishers and literary agents to still expect this level of... I was going to say loyalty, but it sounds more like abject subservience. But most of them don't expect this nowadays. So I'll be approaching a lot of firms, but I'll be quite honest and upfront about simultaneous submissions. As for writing, well, I really have to re-edit those stories I have lying about. I thought I had four or five. I actually have about nine now. And I'll use them to drum up some publicity. Don't know how to do that, what pad maybe, or publish them as an anthology, or publish them as single stories on Kindle. Not quite sure. But the first thing I have to do is make them better and readable. This is really the same as what I'm doing with my novels, because most of them are fully written. They just need a final polish, that proofread. Actually, I am nervous about approaching publishers and agents, not because I'm shy or worried about my writing, but because I'm worried about the amount of work it will be to find one willing to help me publish my work. So, despite my shouting and ranting, <laughs> I'm not as confident as you think. But I'll do my best and I'll let you know what happens. Finally, if any of the vanity presses are listening, please do not hassle me. On Twitter or elsewhere, or through my email address, or however you want to do it, because I'm not going to pay you for the privilege of publishing my work. I was not born yesterday. You're a bunch of con men. <laughs> Just thought I'd put that out there. And that goes for you guys too. Don't be taken in. If someone wants money up front for publishing your work, they're crooks. Okay, the dream job. Remember in the previous podcast, not sure which one, seems like a while back now, I said that I was spending some time working on a podcast project for money. Guess what? I didn't even make runner-up. And I can now reveal to you what competition I took part in. It was Radiotopia's PodQuest competition. I got the standard email back. And I'll read it out. Dear Roy, thanks so much for submitting your podcast idea to PodQuest. In the end, we received a whopping 1,537 entries, exceeding our wildest expectations by a stretch. Over the past month, we've been working diligently, one could say feverishly, to review every entry carefully and select our top 10 submissions. I am sorry to let you know that your pitch is not among those chosen as semi-finalists. I can't overstate our appreciation for your participation in PodQuest. We've been thrilled by the interest and passion out there for podcasting. 
demonstrated through the project. We hope you'll pursue your show in any case and that you'll keep us posted along the way. So that's it. I'm out. Will I let this get me down? No, but there may be some retribution in the form of vicious tuckerization, the writer's weapon of choice. <laughs> Seriously, though, I do this to everyone. Though I usually veil the parody in layers so that the person who I'm parodying never knows what I'm doing, the person or the entity. Although saying that, in the book that I've just written, I haven't even parodied, I've <laughs> named some things. We'll see how that goes with an editor. Whether I'm asked to take things out, we'll know. Okay, ah, next, and I'm terribly sorry about this. We are now finished with the creative part of the podcast. I'm now ready to go into the bit where I talk about the things I'm enjoying during the week. And last week, I think I said that I'd be talking about Doctor Who The Invasion 1968, the Patrick Troughton eight-part adventure. But unfortunately, with all the stuff that I've been doing, I'm only halfway through. So that will have to wait till next time. On the other hand, I did see X-Men Apocalypse. I was going to say that I saw this last week. Yeah, I must have seen it last week. Yep, I saw X-Men Apocalypse last week. Last Wednesday, in fact. And from what I can remember of it, because remember, it's been a really busy week. So I've made some notes on what I thought of it. And let's start with what happened. So basically, there is a homicidal nutter called Apocalypse who pops out of a pyramid in the 80s. Now, during the film... Oh, I've just... Jump right ahead, I haven't told you what's happening. Do I want to spoil it? Not really. Okay, so you've got that homicidal maniac called Apocalypse. Turns out he's an evil mutant from way back when. He gathers around him a group of mutants to be his henchmen, including Magneto and the good X-Men including new additions like Nightcrawler and Storm, battle the bad guys. Now, during the course of the movie, and, oh, by the way, that is kind of what happens. That's the basic plot of the movie. Now, here's what I think of it, because I don't want to harp on about this stuff forever. Well, first of all, Magneto as one of the bad guys, in fact, the top henchman of Apocalypse, destroys half the world, but is proclaimed a hero for stopping the aforesaid Nutter from doing the same. So he destroys half the world for Apocalypse, then he stops Apocalypse from finishing off the job, and he's proclaimed a hero. That does not make any sense whatsoever. Now, during the course of the movie, Nightcrawler does some stuff. 
civilian Storm, before she becomes a superhero, looks cool and punk rock. And then she gets a superhero costume and she looks less so. Psylocke loses her trousers. Scott Summers gets some nifty customised Ray-Ban Wayfarers. Is that for product placement? Jean Grey, played by Sophie Turner, same actress who plays Sansa Stark, who apparently lives fairly nearby. Hi, Sophie. Goes all Phoenix again, or maybe for the first time. Angel loses his wings and gains a set of flapping knives. Professor X loses his hair for no apparent reason that I can discern. Wolverine escapes in cut-off jeans, cutting down spec-op guys like a lawnmower. And come to think of it, there's a really, really high body count in this movie. I thought the good guys were superheroes. You know, where's Spider-Man when you need him? Oh yeah, in the other movie. Quicksilver does completely steal the show. And if it wasn't for his presence in this movie, it really would be pants. Although I could mention other notable performances. Oscar Isaac does it again, completely disguising himself in makeup as Apocalypse. And every time I see him in a new role, I just think, what a comedian actor that guy is. Really amazing. Um, hmm. The best I could say for it is I remember most of it, which is more than I can say for Civil War, which has completely faded from my mind. But even as I write these words in my show notes and then read them out to you, I'm already waving goodbye to this movie as it sails off into the mists of the average. Okay, you know what? It's fine. It's just not that special. It's fine as long as you have one of those monthly Cineworld passes, which I do not. You could almost justify seeing it for the couple of minutes of Quicksilver, justifiably hogging the limelight. I think there are only two films left to see, at least for me this year, and that Suicide Squad and Rogue One. Other things. Right, I mentioned that Psylocke loses her trousers. Well, please let Psylocke know if anyone finds her trousers. And before you write in to complain about my total lack of comic knowledge, yeah, I do know that Psylocke lacked trousers, even in the comic. You know, about that lack of trousers, I heard a podcast not so long ago where they were talking about Madeline Pryor. And let us not forget, of course, Emma Frost, 
So in comparison to those two characters, maybe Psylocke has a bit more trouser. And by the way, I'm not trying to make a gender equality point here, but I wouldn't like fighting in my underpants. Actually, I don't think anyone would like to see me fighting in my underpants. The point is, wouldn't you prefer a full suit of armour? Hey, you know what? If Psylocke's fighting trouserless and Iron Man's got the full suit of armour, does that make Iron Man chicken? Iron Man, you're chicken. Come to think of it, And let's forget trousers for a moment. Let's talk about clothes. I don't like fighting in a cloak either. And I'm not so much thinking about that line from Watchmen when they're talking about how cloaks can get stuck in revolving doors and get you killed. But in my case, I think it'd just get wrapped over my head and I'd feel silly. Anyway, when did this podcast start to be about underwear? Uh, I'll just let it go for now. And that's it for X-Men Apocalypse. Average, okay, see it for Quicksilver, laugh as Psylocke loses her trousers. Oh yeah, and the actress who plays Storm is pretty good, but because... And this is not unique to this movie or comic type. You know, anything where you've got a team of superheroes, there's just going to be not enough time to explore each character in enough depth. And it's the reason that I don't read that many team comics like Justice League or The Avengers or The X-Men. I prefer a comic to be about one or two characters. And that is it. Okay, just a couple of things to mention, and then that's it. Technology, buying Cineworld tickets online. Saw this movie at Cineworld, ordered my tickets online, presented a photograph of the QR code to the ticket collector, which all sounds hyper-efficient, doesn't it? But it was a complete faff! For a start, when I went to have my tickets scanned... They had to try three times in a row until it actually worked. Then I didn't have a physical printout of the ticket, so I wasn't sure what seats I'd booked. We ended up moving three times. Also, with no physical ticket and the scanning thing only working once, I had to hope that the ticket collector would let me back in if I had to go out, because then he'd have to rely on memory. It was a total waste of time and technology, and it is the last time I do it this way. I mean, the incentive is that you save a pound, but after all that faff, I'm not sure if it was worth it. Maybe it's a cunning scheme to make you pay more, because the whole experience of doing it online is so unpleasant that no one will ever do it again. Anyway, that's it. Also, Amazon Video Direct. Remember I talked about the pain of getting an audio podcast onto YouTube, mainly because of my poor upload speeds? Well, now I have Amazon Video Direct to contend with too. And by the way, that 
acronym for Amazon Video Direct, AVD, confused me for a moment, and it does not stand for, as I found out, Adult Video Department. Anyway, I don't know why I'm even mentioning it, apart from the fact that being a writer, I have to market myself to death on every single media platform in existence, and this is another one. We'll just have to see how this goes. Next. Social Grim Reaper. Yeah, you know what? I'm scything through my social media like the Grim Reaper. So if you are a pain, you're out. So spammers, stalkers, crooks, annoying humans, and bots beware. I don't do this all the time, but maybe once a year I'll look through the list and find that there are a whole bunch of people that I don't know and just seem to be spamming and they go. <clears throat> okay, what next? I suppose next week I'll tell you how the proofreading submissions and short story editing is going. And maybe something about the novel I'm writing next, or what I'm doing next, or whatever. And perhaps some more bad news, and some more news about that first game of D&D, if it actually happens. Hint. <laughs> Fellow D&D questers, make sure this happens. Okay, and that is it for the podcast. To subscribe to the podcast, contact me, and for all other social media links, go to RoyMartha.com. That is R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. My Twitter handle is, surprise, surprise, at RoyMartha. At R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. If you are listening to this podcast, I need the publicity, so do me a favour. Leave a review in iTunes. It's important, especially if you give me a five-star review, which is pretty unlikely, but I thought I'd ask anyway. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 136, recorded on... Oh man, when did I record it on? What day is it? What year is it? Oh yeah, Wednesday the 25th of May 2016, and the time at the end of the show is... Coming up to just about almost there. Oh God, another three seconds. I like rounded numbers, you see. Six minutes to four. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye.